0: Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. Sweet.
1: We did that episode.
0: Oh, damn.
1: (laughs) That's what happens when we die. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the next installment of Talking on Fairy Stories. Yes. Yeah, the first one, we covered the first two sections, and, and we'll see if we cover two more. So we, we can start on the third section, which is children. Yeah. One, one of the first thing notes I actually have isn't technically on anything Tolkien does, but it relates to what Jody and I were talking about when we were doing some of the Halloween episodes on horror, uh, because Tolkien talks about it in such a way that, that you know, there's no harm for horror children. It's okay for children to get those horrific stories so they learn things. And, yes. uh, and yeah, and, and Jody and I were talking about the difference between terror and dread and, and everything. So horror is fear, shock, and disgust, just to remind everybody, whereas terror is the dread and the anticipation of that horror. Yeah. So yeah, a few different things, but they, they do match up with some of the horror stories that we talked about because they have similar, uh, a little bit of overlapping. One of my first notes I have on this, and we'll, we'll see if I ramble too, is, is children have, are humans. Um, so when Tolkien's talking about this, there's, of course, a difference between adults and children, mm-hmm. but he doesn't differentiate so much in thinking that children need to be protected and held away like they're little priceless Faberge eggs or, or anything. And and right. makes a point that they're, they have, he actually uses the term keen appetites. They mm-hmm. want to learn and they want to read and they want to know all these things. No, you don't have to hide it from them. In fact, it's usually more harmful if you do hide them from some of these things. Yeah.
0: I kind of started with him asking the question, what, if any, are the values of fairy stories now?
1: What are those?
0: I think we'll kind of answer that as we go through this this episode. (laughs) Um, No, because my next note was that there's an assumption that fairy stories are meant for children. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Because I think you can say, what about the adults who enjoy them as, story, as stories instead of studying
1: them as curios? But I was wondering, too, why not adults? So I, yeah. I do have a note further back by that, too. I was just kind of going over, it, uh, glossing over it for a minute. But, okay. yeah, you're, you're right. Why, why not adults, too? Why just children? Because we, we do enjoy those. And, and there are adults like us who like them for two reasons. We just like to read them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we like to dissect them. But, yes. but we enjoy them on a simplistic on the uh, the soup if not the bone method all the time, right? But some children don't like fairy stories, so it's it's not that all children like them and all adults don't. It, you right. like them or you don't. You're involved in fairy or you're not.
0: True, yeah. It's not just children that can enjoy these. Uh, that uh, Professor Tolkien made the comparison uh, to adults enjoying uh, cars, uh, but that you'd never hear you never hear it phrased in a way that makes it seem childish. Um, Although he apparently thought it,
1: it might be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he does talk about how some people as they age actually grow to increase uh, their uh, love of fairy stories, increase with age and it's, it's not necessarily bad. So right. The, the, the thing about
0: uh, children from six to 60 will enjoy this story as opposed to, you know, you, you never hear anybody say that about a it, it, children from 17 to 70 will enjoy this car kind of thing was, <laughs>
1: uh, I suppose maybe people just assume that people want cars. <laughs> well, people want fairy stories that is very, cute. they may not realize that's what they want. And and so regarding the whole adult and child thing too, and then this is actually jumping a little bit ahead, but it fits in perfect here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they it's talked about how having the heart of a child, is, is good. Having the heart of a child is elvish, that belongs in fairy, but that doesn't mean childish. There's a difference between being childish and having the heart of a child. Yes,
0: yes. Oh, you know, uh, the Professor Tolkien, though, he he commented on how people seem to think, uh, how adults seem to think uh, children need fairy stories the way their bodies need milk. Um,
1: you know, again, not every child is going to like fairy stories. and And that's okay. Yeah. But then on the other hand, adults who like them, that's, that's perfectly fine too.
0: Yeah. Other, yeah, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, so uh, he also thought that the, uh, the modern connection uh, to the nursery comes partially from wealthy families hiring nannies, typically lower class, uh, but more familiar with folk traditions, including the tales and stories. Huh. And, like and of course, about- this, would have been, this would have been coming out of the Victorian age. You know, yeah. you got
1: you to keep that in context. Context. Drink. Winter lager. Woo. Holiday <sighs> porter. Yeah. Nice. I had one of those yesterday. Huh. I had the winter lager yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we talked about that uh, nursery thing and, and the lower class. I'm using air quotes here. Yes. Uh, When we did the ghost stories for Christmas, when Charles Dickens happened to be walking by the Irish housemaid telling Mm -hmm. his children about the ghost stories. Yeah,
0: Um, and and I think this is kind of connecting it to the nursery and to children. Adults tend to think that children like them or understand them better than adults do. Um, and, and then he goes on to points out that that isn't so not, and, and like we've said, not every child enjoys them uh, nor understands them better.
1: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, and finally uh, that they get, they get relegated to the nursery because most adults tend to not want them uh, like shabby or old fashioned furniture. Oh, uh, just because hand it handed yeah, down if, and put down. Right. Yeah. Because if it's not wanted, they don't mind if it
1: gets misused. Maybe one of the biggest uh, bits in the this section that Jody and I have gotten into and probably discussed so many times that you're tired of hearing us go on about it is the <laughs> <laughs> the adaptation of fairy stories for children where adults tend to think that children need the blood cut out and the gore and the horror and the terror and yes. to, to make it platable and and clean and happy and fun and yes uh, yeah it, uh, Terry Pratchett. Uh, one of my favorite authors had a little quote in there and he said, yeah, for the most, well, I'm not going to quote it, but for the most part, children like the blood. They are very happy to see those who deserve to shed blood be shed of their blood. And, and sometimes children have a very wide range of who they think deserves to shed it. Yes. um,
0: That actually, that will relate to a note I have later, but yeah, that's, (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk a little bit about why they feel that way.
1: (laughs) And, and, I'm not sure if Tolkien really minded some bits of adaptation. Uh, you know, he, he wanted to definitely be aware of simplifying the tales yeah. too much. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, he mentioned music or verse or novels or history or scientific manuals. Do you tone those down? No. No. So why did you do it with these? Uh, Tolkien wound up having, I think,
0: I, I think this was his word, in, in later years, he wound up with this term disneyfication of the stories and you gotta remember he he did this he did this lecture for the andrew lang series in 1939 disney released snow white and the seven dwarves in 1937 so two years before he did this so he had seen snow white by that point
1: yeah he went with uh darnia
0: Oh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah,
1: yeah, he went with C.S. Lewis, and they both had their issues on it. Although they, they did have some things they were okay with, but yeah, yeah. They, they weren't overly happy. Right.
0: So Tolkien had 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 made this point earlier, and we mentioned uh, before we started talking about the ad, uh, adapting it thing, that uh, the, 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 the adults don't mind if, if it gets misused. And he, he kind of makes this, this point of uh, comparing Fairy stories to other things that can be relegated to the nursery, and uh, he points out that that such things tend to get broken, uh, and that fairy stories are no different. Um, and I this quote here: uh, Fairy stories, banished in this way, cut off from a full adult art, would in the end be ruined. Indeed, in so far as they have been so banished, they have been ruined. Uh, he then compares fairy stories to attics and lumber rooms. Was he saying that they are more like that that fairy stories are more like lumber rooms than playrooms or nurseries?
1: Well, he he brings it up with Andrew Lang's fairy books. Yeah. Right. So uh, I I took the idea that he's looking at Andrew Lang who went through and rather than just go in and take everything out of the lumber room, he looked uh, through stalls at a rummage sale type of thing and found the really good pieces and the good stories and wanted to present the things that were really valuable for children to read. Yes. is, is how I took it. Yeah. Um, which is I think one of the reasons why Tolkien likes Andrew Lang's works. Actually, that was one of my next notes, but <laughs> I, I had this other quote, um,
0: which, which goes with the, the lumber room thing. Uh, their contents are disordered. And often battered, a jumble of different uh, dates, purposes, and tastes, uh, but among them may occasionally be found a thing of permanent virtue, an old work uh, sorry, an old work of art. I thought I had some punctuation there. I did not <laughs> <laughs> an old work of art not too much damaged that only stupidly would have ever been stuffed away, which kind of fits in with the with Lang's thing about this or with with his thing about Lang you know kind of finding them like a in a stall at a rummage sale um and by this measure a storyteller is banking on the child, the child's uh credulity or belief in something without good evidence uh credulity is a uh synonym for gullibility whereas Tolkien thinks children are capable of literary belief or willing suspension of disbelief uh, which we've we've talked about a little bit
1: uh, which is dependent on the skill of the storyteller very much sure Yes. Yeah, the, the whole storyteller, the story maker being the sub-creator who creates these new worlds out of, you know, he likes to use sub-creator because he's religious. And, of course, there's only one creator, creator. God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he uses the term sub-creator and, and sub-creations. But, yeah, it's, it's what happens when you create art, you know, prose, yeah. theater, music, anything, really, if you make a world. Although Tolkien uh, did not like the term willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Good for you, professor. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, he, 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 he kind of put it more in the uh, – that the storyteller provides a successful subcreation, like what you were just saying, uh, or secondary
1: world that your mind can enter. Which is true when you're in the moment of reading a book at the theater. You're, you're there. You're uh, reading, observing, watching. And, yeah, as long as it's not broken and it's well-written, it, you know, it's it's easy not to worry about suspending your disbelief, but that is that is still the goal of yeah. m- most art. And I guess you can call it what you want. When you pick up a book or you go to the theater, you know that that's the frame of mind you're going to have to be in if you really want to get involved in it. True. Yeah, I can love Tolkien, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with everything he <laughs> says. <laughs> He, he does talk about when disbelief arises, spell is broken, and you know when when the writer's not very good and does something that's just out of the realm of that world he or she has created, or the fourth wall is broken, or anything like that. You know, then, then you're outside the you're into the primary world again when disbelief arises. So he does use the term mm-hmm. disbelief, and he talks about when it arises and when stuff happens. So, yeah, uh, maybe he just doesn't like the term, but it's pretty synonymous with what it means. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to, I was going to say that
0: uh, uh, if the storyteller fails in producing a successful secondary world, it's difficult for the reader or listener. If it's an oral story to stay in the secondary world. Yeah. So he, he hypothesizes uh, that adults coming from a sense of nostalgia, think that they should have liked fairy stories as children. Uh, but that may not have been the case and that they might have simply lacked the experience uh, and vocabulary as children
1: to say that they didn't like those. I wonder if some of the issues are, you know, when you're older, you can explain why you did or did not like something a little bit better. But when children do it, if it's an adult asking also, yeah, they sometimes don't give the child the benefit of the doubt. And they try to force a specific type of explanation and the kid doesn't necessarily get it i mean kids are learning machines they will pick the stuff up and they will get the vocabulary eventually but oh yeah chill out yeah
0: so and i uh, i kind of think the point he was making at, at this point in in the uh in the essay which we've touched on this the point he was trying to make here is that not all children like these sorts of stories which is fine like we've said but those who do never outgrow them uh, although the manner in which they are told might become more mature as
1: the child grows to adulthood. Okay, yeah, I was about to disagree with that, but I, I think you're right that that it may change. Yeah, immensely, but <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So Tolkien had uh, he referenced back to Lang's comment about children having an unblunted edge of belief, uh, and, and Professor Tolkien himself didn't think that it became blunted by repeated use if it's told effectively. You know, again, like we're saying, children don't outgrow a good story. Lang said that children children always ask, is it true? Is it true is the great question children ask. Tolkien didn't think that was really the case. Um, he, he said that is it true should probably be replaced uh, or probably is replaced more often by was he good or was he wicked? Which goes back to your Terry Pratchett thing. Basically, what, what he was saying, I think this was his quote, uh, that is they were more concerned to get the right side and the wrong side clear. For that is a question equally important in history and in fairy. So yeah, they're not so they're not so worried about is it true. But they want the, the, I guess there's kind of a sense of justice because he does talk about that a little bit, that there's more of a sense of justice, that the
1: the people who do bad things get what's coming to them. Which may or not be true in real life, but it's still a good lesson to teach children. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, but but you want that in a story, don't you? I mean, you, you – you want the bad guy to get what's coming to him. Oh, you know definitely. in real life they're not. And and maybe that's kind of the point. In real life, you know that they might not get what's coming to them.
1: Yeah, movies where the ending is unsatisfying, I, I hate them, where the good don't win or the bad do, or it, yeah. it's sort of like some mediocre neutral ending. It's horribly unsatisfying. That is not how a story goes. Well, no, no, not, not a good one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, <laughs> twists and stuff, you know, like some of the In Night Shyamalan movies, well, some of them, some sucked. You know, the twist is okay, but yeah. there still needs to be a good climax and reconciliation.
0: Yeah. You know, because sometimes people do complain all oh, the bad, the, the, the good guy always wins at the end. Yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yes. We want that sense of justice. Or most of us do. If you don't, I'm going to start <laughs> questioning.
1: Your, your your morality. Morals and ethics and dilemmas. Uh, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so moving moving on a little bit here, fairy stories are not concerned with possibility so much as desirability. We want things to be real, if, if not remote. In other words, dragons. We, we want dragons <laughs> to be real. We just don't want them to be real near us. Uh, <laughs> things that appeal to us, anyway.
1: If you're not into pirates, Treasure Island won't appeal to you. Yeah, if you're not to the Wild West, yeah, Indians and cowboys and Indians aren't going to appeal to you, right? Or as Tolkien calls them, red, red Indians, because that was yeah. to differentiate between you know being in England, uh, you know, in America, if we just said Indians, we would know what we're talking about in this time period right. in, in England because of their colonization of India. They were very distinct on red Indians or not, which are our Native Americans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, typically we would not use the term "Red Indians." Well, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, no. I the only reason you're using it is because he used it, and that's. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he actually yeah, that, uses that term.
1: Yeah. So again, one of those things that I doubt he would use that now. Yeah, probably not. He uh,
0: he he went on to point out for himself a real taste for fairy stories was. Uh, this was this was his quote. Real taste for fairy stories was wakened by philology <laughs> on the threshold of manhood, and quickened to full quickened to full life by war. So basically, what he was saying was that although it seems like he enjoyed them as a child, um, he was not into them any more than he was into any other things as a child, uh, and true interest only came after studying phil- philology, then his time in the army during World War One. And if you know anything about his life, uh, you know that during World War One was when he started working on what became the book The Silmarillion, which is really the basis for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, although it, neither The Hobbit nor The Lord of the Rings started out being part of what The Silmarillion was. they They wound up being that as he went on writing Lord of the Rings. And all of that came out of his, his study of philology and his study, which is study of words <laughs> and making up his, his own language, which became the Elvish
1: language from his, from his books. Experiences colored what he liked and, and the philology and the war, mm-hmm. um, but made a, a even bigger. I, I also like his point about the influences of the countryside um, yeah. He mentions the country they live in. So where you're brought up and your influences of when you are young or where you grew up or where you're living at actually do make a difference too. And of course, there's the whole point of fairy is greater than the natural world too, where you know you, you talk about dragons and it's, it's one of the trademarks of fairy. Dragons are this magnificent being that you don't expect in the real world, but you can't expect them in fairy. But yeah, so yeah, you can make comparisons. You have fairy, which is greater than the natural world. Uh, dragons are greater than horses, for example. Poor horses. Well, horses are kick-ass, but you know, come <laughs> on. Dragons? Yeah, which one
0: would you rather ride?
1: <laughs> which one would you rather meet?
0: <laughs> Horse. <laughs> which one would you rather ride? The one that's not going to eat me. <laughs> it, it could be a gold dragon. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. The gold dragon wouldn't. Um, I, so he, he, he also makes, uh, makes a point about, while there certainly are good fairy stories, there are many fairy stories that are not so good. <laughs> and uh, I got this other quote from him. Um, he, he refers to it as a dreadful undergrowth of stories written or adapted to what was or is conceived to be the measure of children's minds and needs. You know, and I think that's why I'm kind of picky about what books I read. I I don't just pick up a book and read it because it's a fantasy book or a sci-fi book. If I don't like the author, I'm probably never reading anything by them again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nope, totally with you. I will reread the same author over and over if it's one I like, rather than keep drudging through an author I don't care about.
0: I have the same thing with movies. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, sci-fi or fantasy, but.
1: It will give some uh, another chance. Like Terry Pratchett. I had a yeah. friend who got me to read him and he gave me his first book to read. Honestly, Terry Pratchett's first couple of Discworld novels are not that great. Um, it, it was much later when I went back and I tried one and I went to the library and picked one up that was a bit further down and I loved yeah. it. So, you know, it's okay. nothing wrong with going back and trying In fact, when people ask me which one I, they should start with, I tell them up front. I did not care. I've read the first two or three repeatedly, yeah. but not near as often as the others. And I tell them not to. You know, yeah, just At least not there. start with them, yeah. And that being said, his first couple of books are still better than most other authors. <laughs> <laughs> when he's finding his voice, I think once he discovered yeah. what he wanted to do with the world, it became so much better.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing.
1: And yeah, and and I do like Tolkien's view on, on different types. You know, he sanitized versions he found to be horrendous. Yes. And the originals better uh, because again, you take out all the really good, good things that kids need to know and probably want to know. Yeah, definitely. I, I do like this uh, quote um, because children are human and yes. fairy stories are a natural human taste, though not necessarily a universal one. The universal fairy stories are a large part of the literary lumber in latter day Europe. Although yes. again, stuffed away into attics and lumber rooms. Yes he addressed another one of Lang's quotes
0: to Lang's quote was he who would enter into the kingdom of fairy should have the heart of a little child to which Tolkien, I think kind of replies uh, for that possession is necessary to all high adventure into kingdoms, both less and far greater than fairy. You know, so I think it's kind of that thing that we mentioned earlier about not necessarily outgrowing it. It's not necessarily a childish thing, but you, you still have that
1: heart of a child inside. Yeah, you've got humility and innocence. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's where I, I did have my note when I mentioned the heart of a child earlier, but not being childish. Yeah. And, and I consider that to be elvish, is to see the joy. When, when Tolkien wrote the elves for Lord of the Rings, sometimes they appeared to be childish, but he didn't want them to come across as childish. He wanted them to come across as just seeing the absolute joy and wonder in the world at all times, and that's why they're just so happy probably a little more prominent in the hobbit than it is in lord of the rings <laughs> hey bilbo your pony needs a shoeing <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and i'm i'm listening I, at the moment i'm listen i've been listening to the bbc's production of the hobbit it's not bad part james just mentioned there about bilbo's horse needing a shoeing <laughs> uh that song is in there i've i've got issues with that <laughs>
1: I've got issues with the BBC production. You, you have issues with everything, you grouchy old curmudgeon. <laughs> There's uh, so Tolkien is is Catholic, and and what you're talking about now is sort of a Catholic type of thing because when people question God, and they talk about his mercy and also how horribly vindictive and just as a Catholic you know, the priests and nuns and then lay people who teach. will talk about how God has infinite mercy and infinite justice where uh, Tolkien talks about a fair fight and fair judgment. And there, there is a dichotomy. It's not always you have mercy and you have justice and they, they try to maximize both, but it's not always, you know, it's not going to be even all the time. Oh, okay. So growing up Catholic that that's a, a way of looking at it from the Tolkien's faith.
0: Oh, okay. So something I got out of this, uh, something I got out of what he was saying is that a fairy story is well-written. It should appeal to adults as well.
1: That is true. They, yeah, It should appeal to them. And honestly, I, it sounds like he does not want the grown-ups to lose the wonder and the joy and the innocence or the sense of mercy without justice and also justice without mercy. He wants, yeah, He wants that to keep going. Yeah. Now he does say that children should get fairy stories
0: of their measure. That's his quote: of their measure, in other words, of an appropriate level for them, or just beyond their level, so there is room to grow.
1: Yeah, and I like the above. Always read above your level a little bit because you will grow into it. So yeah, don't at least don't read down. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I got about the whole growing up and everything, and you know, yeah, children are not meant to become Peter Pans you know, you don't right. want to lose your innocence and wonder, but you do keep going and you do grow up. But you know, the, the older you become, you do become wise. You know, you, you are, uh, what's he call it a callow, lumpish, selfish youth <laughs> 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 and everything. But uh, as you grow older and you know, you've experienced sorrow and everything and the, the shadow of death, he mentions can bestow dignity and even sometimes yeah. wisdom. So th- that is true. And, and I think, he just not wrote this for this essay. I think how he wrote Thorne Oakenshield at the end of the Hobbit exactly exemplifies what he's trying to say because Thorne recognized his folly and repented at the end and wanted to leave the world on good terms with Bilbo and everybody else and appreciated Bilbo's wisdom. Yes. Very good point. I thought so. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if adults can read fairy stories, what are the functions of fairy stories?
1: Ooh, I know. Except that's because I have it here in front of me. Okay, but you go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, um, I, there's four things that Tolkien mentions: fantasy, recovery, escape, and consolation. Um, all things of which children have, as a rule, less need
1: than older people. That's Tolkien's quote. <laughs> That, that is true, which is another good reason why when you get older, you can keep reading these because you may yes. need them more than the children who you sent the books down to. Yes. Up to. I don't know. Or Assuming Victorian homes, the nurseries were probably higher up. But I don't know. <laughs> I I have no idea. And, and we'll get into these. We'll get into fantasy recover. We'll get into the four things coming up. In fact, fantasy is, is next. But uh, in order to keep this episode around the, the 20, 30, 40 minute mark without going too far over. We're, we're probably going to stop now and just do the one section, and then next time we'll do either one or two or or three, whatever we can get. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that for now, and hopefully you've enjoyed this. <laughs> we we have, but that's because yeah. we like to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, that goes with us always being right. <laughs> exactly. See. <laughs> All right. And on 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 that note, I'm going to finish my winter logger and go get another beer and enjoy ah. my evening. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so until next time, I'm James. I'm Jody. Bye. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. What doing, was, was, was that the whole story? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just checking. <laughs> I know I rambled a little bit there, but there you go. Okay, so we're both geeks, as Woo-hoo. you probably know by now. If you don't, then I, I, don't, I kind of question how many episodes you've listened to at this point. <laughs>
1: if this is your first, welcome. <laughs> spice. I have cookies in my hand now, so yeah, you got oh, a whole lot of damn chocolate. second. Ooh, Red Velvet. <laughs> all of these are mine. Well, no, I, I <laughs> all mine. It's it's. Ferrific. rific ooh! <laughs> <laughs>